in a season that has been filled with some horrendous losses, this one definitely joins the fray as the Penguins fall 2-1 to one to the Ottawa Senators and things are looking bleaker than ever right now in terms of their playoff chances. To start the show, we're going to get into just what happened with this loss, how they continue to slide, and will this team be in the playoffs in the next two weeks? That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter, at Eleanor Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. Late Monday night recording into Tuesday here. You'll basically get double episodes to start your day. We'll preview the um, the games ahead with Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I'll touch on the plans for Wednesday episode a little later on today. But Sanders 2, Penguins 1, Penguins fire almost 50 shots on net. The AI drove making name goaltender decides to play God. Um, honestly, I shouldn't even give him that much credit. He played well, but I didn't really like a lot of the looks that the Penguins had on net. But still, it is another long list of goalies who you don't really know who they are, but they still stone the Penguins and they play um, very, very well. Penguins threw 49 shots, outshot the Senators 49-21. Very similar to the Montreal game last week, except I thought Tristan Jari actually played well tonight. And the Penguins, and don't even get a point out of this one. I'll show you right now when points are precious. Lose to two of the Rangers, whatever, but you don't beat the Canadians on home ice. Don't even take them to overtime. Don't even do the same thing here, especially after you tie the game with five minutes left in regulation. Don't even get a point about it. Don't even get a point. Panthers win in Detroit. They are 7-2-1 and two and one in the last 10. They're one point up on the final playoff spot right now, and it's looking bleak. Team is not playing good hockey right now. There is outside of, again, the core players, no one else is getting the job done. Same old story, night after night after night. I am almost ready for this. I I am exhausted. This is probably the season where I've been the most exhausted watching this team because the same problems persist on a nightly basis and nothing is done to rectify them. You know, I I really like the Penguins process in this game. Underlying numbers are great. Shot attempts, scoring chances, high danger chances. But, you know, the one part I didn't like, you put 49 shots on net. That's great. But how many of those were quality looks? When the Penguins weren't missing high and wide, I felt like they were just playing along the perimeter too much. Getting shots from the point. Getting shots from the right half boards. Getting shots from the left half boards. Getting shots from basically the goal line. How many shots or scoring chances can you recall that they got in those high danger areas. I understand natural statric shows. The Penguins had 14 high danger chances for even strength, six high danger chances against if you go to all situations, 17 high danger chances for. It does it definitely does not seem like that when you know you watch that game. And honestly, where before they tied it, if you looked at money puck and all that and natural statric, Penguins only had three expected goals on 41 shots. That should tell you 
everything you need to know. And we can actually even go to natural stat trick right now. 3.56 expected goals for on 49 shots. That number should be a lot higher. Should be. That tells me, and that should tell you all, the listener, of course, you know, all of you, you come to my show, you, I hope to try to help you guys learn a little bit more about the sport. And, you know, that should tell you that they did not generate good enough looks in the offensive zone. I thought they didn't get enough traffic in front of Ferguson. I thought they, you know, they fired a lot of pucks from a lot of low danger areas. How many shots did you see come from like, you know, 10, 15 feet out? The Raquel goal was nice, but that was a leaky goal. That was one Ferguson probably stops 99 out of 100 times, or honestly, any goaltender stops 99 out of 100 times. Other than that, you know, he made that nice saves on Gensel. That was nice. Um, I believe he had a, a, a couple of saves on Heinen, which were pretty decent. But in terms of grade A quality chances, I don't think the Penguins did enough to test him. And again, great that they put 49 shots on net. Usually that is good enough to win on almost any goalie. But you know, what wasn't their night? You know, usually in this situation, I would say they got goalied. I don't know if that's the case. Even though they played well and Ferguson did come up with some good saves, I don't think the Penguins generated nearly enough good scoring chances as they could have, especially when they were hemming the Senators in their own zone. How many times did they do that? But then they just kept cycling the puck low to high, high to low, perimeter to perimeter. It's the same thing I felt like. That's how it looked like to me. But, you know, it was just a total failure on the Penguins' part right there. And just... You know, this kind of game sums up their season. It was the same thing almost last week, too. You outplay the opposition for most of the game. You have a defensive breakdown that leads to a goal. You score to tie the game after you that you finally break through with it. And then one of a few mainstays who have not been scratched is on the ice for the game-winning goal with two minutes left as you were just pinning the Senators in, in their own zone, and you took a stupid, foolish penalty. And, oh, yeah, the power play stunk again. This was a full summary of how the Penguin season has gone to date. This is how it's been. They all play the opposition a lot of these games. You know, we can we could add goaltending in there, but I thought Tristan Jari was fine. Another goalie plays a little bit better because that's how it's been lately. They're able to get finally get a goal and then a stupid defensive miscue with a certain someone on the ice. And we'll get to that in just a second. Allows the Penguins to lose and they don't even get a point. Because I thought that game was surely going to overtime after Raquel tied it. But Chad Weedle took that really foolish penalty. You knew the refs were going to call something. Heck, they didn't even call an obvious stripping penalty when the Penguins were on the power play with nine minutes left in the third period because they were refing to the score. Or also, they were refing to the penalties that were drawn. Penguins at that point had, that was their third or third power play, if I recall correctly. Senators only had one. I know people are going to come back to me and say, well, why didn't the Penguins get a power play in New York last week? You know, sometimes the breaks don't go your way at the officiating, but most times refs will try to look for anything for even up calls. I know it's late in games, probably in playoff games. You don't see that called from Ruedel, but you can't give an official any leeway to call that it cost the penguins brian dumon stunk again um, in front of the net and they come out of this with no points and this you know 
we got 12 games left. Who knows what the hell is going to happen at this point? It's not good enough. It hasn't been good enough all season. I think a lot of people are just waiting for this season to end so that hopefully the front office can get canned. But these are some dark times right now. No, I shouldn't say dark times, but these are some tough times with this team. And it's not going to get any easier when you see the back-to-back that this team has later this week. But, you know, this definitely felt like a season. Hasn't been their season not fully over yet, but it, it, it feels like this was a season-ending loss. Obviously, it's not the case because they still got 12 games left. They're still only a point behind the Panthers. But this felt like a season ender with how they were playing. Well, not not even how they're playing, but with how it all went down in that third period. Just not good enough at all. But that wraps up this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into why Mike Sullivan continues to make the same mistakes late in third periods and a couple other things that I also noticed from this game. But before we get to that, it is time to touch on Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. And I start taking Athletic Greens because I don't really have time in the morning to work out. I want more energy, you know, better immune system. I don't really like taking pills and vitamins in the morning. So you're probably wondering, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special vitamin ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus and aging, all of those things. It's also lifestyle friendly where you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It also has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. And that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Anderson Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. So I know I probably sound like a broken record. People have gone on me about repeating it. I know I, I know DK on DK's Daily Shot does it as well. The Jeff Carter and Brian Dumoulin problem slash problems. That reared its ugly head yet again in this one. Game is tied. 1-1. Less than 2.20 left in the game. You're killing off the penalty. I understand Ryan Pilling doesn't have a stick. Brian Russ is hunched over. But Brian Dumoulin screwed up in a crucial situation yet again. And it, again, it begs the question, why does Mike Sullivan continue to put him in these difficult situations? We saw what he said to the media after that blowout loss against the New York Rangers just a couple of days ago. If I can pull up this tweet here, I have to scroll back just a little bit. If I can find this here. He said, you know, you know, you guys like to pick on certain guys and you go to them all the time. We respectfully disagree with you in a lot of circumstances. When goals are scored, we look at a lot of the details on the house and whys. Reality is it's more than one person for the most part when goals end up in the back of the net. Okay, whatever, you know. And then he also said, 
what I'll also tell you is that all year long, we put them in difficult circumstances. Those guys play against top players in defensive situations all the time. We saw that again tonight. And yet again, it did not work. Mike, why do you continually put Brian Dumoulin in this situation? I don't understand it. He is not the player he once was from 2017. Look what he did on the Drake Batherson goal that lost the Penguins the game. He is up way too high in the defensive zone. Batherson is just standing at the front of the net. Dumoulin is looking at the puck here. I believe it was Brady Kachuk at the the far wall on the, on the PK. And he somehow allows this pass to get right to Batherson stick, who has an easy tap in on Jari. Tristan has no shot at saving that puck. Maybe he could put a stick out there to poke check it away, but I'm sure he was relying on Dumoulin to do it. And yet again, he lost a net front battle because he's looking at the puck and he's not watching Batherson in front of the net. He has been horrendous in front of the net, especially this you know this last week, but mostly all season long. Chris Kreider abused him last week in front of the net. Anders Lee abused him in the Islanders games. This has been a year-long problem, and Mike Sullivan is not doing anything about it. He's not putting him in a position to succeed. He is less of a problem than Carter just because Carter really can't do anything right now. But at least you can shelter Dumoulin a little bit more. I understand injuries are a big concern right now with this blue line. But why is Dumoulin the go-to guy on the PK in this situation? Why? Just put out another forward out there and leave Crystal Tang out. I don't I don't know why you need to go two forwards and two defensemen. Or heck, just put a, put a different defenseman out there. That's not Brian Dumoulin. I get it. Pedersen, Kulikov, Petrie, Ruta are hurt. But you can probably put Mark Freeman out there, and I'm sure he would do the job just fine. I will die on this hill that most players in the NHL can kill penalties. You could probably put Pio Joseph out there. I'm sure he would do a, fi- a better job. But, you know, I, I just, I don't understand it at all. You know, like, the this team gets killed when he's on the ice. But, hey, you know, I and so many other people out there, we don't understand hockey. You know, we're just a bunch of idiots just behind a keyboard. And, you know, I'm never I'm never going to say that I know more about hockey than Mike Sullivan. He's been around the game longer than I've been alive. Uh, he could, you know, school basically anyone in this fan base when it comes to the sport, probably school most people around the sport when it comes to his knowledge about the game. We'll never, no reason to argue that. But he can't be this naive to the fact that this is not working. He got schooled by Batherson from the net. And it looked like the puck was going right to Dumoulin's stick, and he still couldn't get his stick on it to get it out of the zone. Yeah, he had one job there. Jesse Marshall had a great breakdown for it. You know, just as he's even said in his tweet, zero on ice awareness, no head on a swivel. He was just total puck watching. He was just oblivious to what happened. But hey, you know, Continue icing him out there in critical situations, Mike. You're only continuing to leave points on the table. Game last weekend against the Rangers went after the Penguins tied it midway through the third period. Who's on the ice for the next Kreider goal? Oh, Brian Dillon. Who's on the ice for the goals in New York? In New York, when the blow? Oh, Brian Dillon, Jeff Carter. Who's on the ice for the go-ahead goal tonight when you outplay the Senators so badly you double more than double them up in shots? Oh, Brian Dillon. Hasn't learned a thing. Horrible coaching from Sullivan yet again. I am getting close to the point where I want this whole coaching staff in the front office cleaned out this year. 
And I don't think I ever thought I would say that about Mike Sullivan because I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. But if he's going to keep doing stuff like this, he can be shown the door as well. I know I sound like a broken record. I know I've harped a lot on Dumoulin and Carter on this show, but I'm only, I, I, I try to be as fair as I can be guys. Like if you're playing bad, I'm going to tell you you're playing bad. If you're playing good, I'm going to tell you you're playing good. That's how I've always done this show ever since I started it four years ago. And that's how I'm always going to continue to do it. He's killing them. And this coach, for whatever reason, is not seeing it. So really wanted to spend the second segment on that. Coming up to end the show, we're going to touch on uh, Tristan Jari's performance. Um, also going to get into Mikhail Granlin and why he continues to be a total no-show right now and a couple other things. But before we get to all of that, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Bilt Bar. We just got through some of the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year as we get into April. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just a thing for you. You got to try Bilt. With Bilt Healthy, it's actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for just any time this year. And what makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter bounty, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they all are healthy. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Bill bars at Bill.com, but now you can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club, Cookies and Cream, Double Chocolate, Coconut Puffs, just to name a few. Also, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later when it comes to that. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, LORSO Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So, Tristan Jarring's performance, I thought he was good. You know, the first goal, you can maybe argue, was a bit meh, but I didn't really like how Malkin played on that goal. I also thought Ruedel could have been a little bit better stepping up on Shabbat. Just an unfortunate defensive breakdown. Second one. Maybe he could have had the poke check there. But all in all, I thought he was stellar tonight. He made some tremendous saves on a lot of odd man rushes. I don't like how the Penguins gave those up when they were in control of the game. They got lucky that Stutzla missed a wide open net on one of them. But, you know, he also made a couple of big saves, especially one um, early on that power play before the Senators won the game with about two minutes left. Um, Really nice job to kick that pad up to make that save. You know, they're not even in that position to potentially steal um, or not even still to potentially win that game, um, if not for Jari. So I really liked him. Now, in terms of, you know, a more negative standpoint, you know, I said it when he was acquired. I've been trying to give him more of a chance. Mikhail Granlin has been a ghost out there. I know some of you all said to me, Hunter, give him a chance, see what he can do. Maybe you'll eat some crow. And I've had no problem doing that throughout my time as a podcast host, throughout my time as covering the team, all that stuff. But I don't see it right now, Yins. Two points, only one goal in nine games, only 13 shots on net. He's a ghost out there in most games. You know, it's crazy to me how this general manager can get lucky. He got so lucky into all that cap space that he opened up for himself, Kasperi Kampanen, Brock McGinn, and all that. But yet he decided to trade a second-round pick for a player who cannot score to save his life. <clears throat> and yes, I know he had 64 points in 80 games last season, but he also played with much better competition. He's not hes not going to get that here. You know, even if he played with Malkin and Ruster and Raquel, 
I don't really know how much better he would do on that line. Obviously, he'd be playing with better players, but he's not a shoot-first player. Malkin likes playing with those type of players, because <clears throat> you know, especially because he's a playmaker on the line. Um, it's not good enough. I, I said it at the time, it was an instant flop of a trade by the Penguins, and it's continuing to look worse right now. I honestly, if the Penguins, say they were to trade him, or they put, they were to put him on the market, right? Would any team out there, any other team, I almost just wanted to trade a thought. Would any other team out there trade a second round pick for him and not have the Penguins retain salary? I'll pause to have you think about that. No, right? No way. They would have to retain salary to get that in return. Just a total clueless trade from Ron Hextall. And that was their big deadline acquisition to get them into the playoffs and have them push for the playoffs. And right now, they're on the outside looking in just a couple of weeks after the trade deadline. Just comedy. Like, that's the player they went after. And I know Nick Benito's or Dimitri Kula covers their 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 other deadline acquisitions are hurt. So I feel really bad about that when it comes to the deadline. But the main guy you acquired, the one, the player who you said was going to, you know, get this thing rolling. You say he's a top nine forward, all this other stuff. He has been invisible in most of the games he has played so far. Maybe that changes for the final 12 games. I'm highly skeptical about it, but he has not been nearly you know, as good as they've needed him to be. And it is a problem, not just for this season. He's got two more years left at five, five million per. Good luck. Whoever whoever the next GM is, whether it's Ron Hextall in the summer if he doesn't somehow get fired or it's someone else that comes in, good luck. Good luck trying to make improvements to the team while he is on that salary cap. So there's another one that bites the dust there. Um, you know, look, I said coming into this week, the Penguins needed to go three and one in my head, at least to keep their playoff spot. You're already off to a bad start. You needed to win this game. You're playing against the Senators team that had lost five in a row coming in. They're not, they were not playing well. The Penguins brutally outplayed them in this game. Didn't get the result. Now you face a daunting task. You go to Colorado on Wednesday. Dallas on Thursday. Good luck. Honestly, right now, I would be stunned if they got a point in either of those two games. Surprise me. I I hope I hope that just because I said that, I hope they go out there and somehow sweep both of those teams, the two of the best teams in the West. Please be par for the course for me at least. But man, and then they got Washington on Saturday. That's another must win. Time's taken. 12 games left. The playoff streak is in the balance. The core can only do this so many times. If you were to tell me right now, if I was waking up from a coma, that both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin had played in every single game this season and were at a point per game or better production, and this team would have a minus goal differential and be out of the playoff spot 70 games into an 82-game season, I would have I would have told you to just get lost. I would have said you're lying. Nope. That's where we are right now. And that, my friends, squarely on the front office and the coaching staff for assembling this roster the way it has been. I probably fired off too quick of a tweet tonight saying that, like, you know, some of these guys just don't want it. You know, I think every player probably want, obviously wants to win in this league. It's probably a little too far for me. Even I sometimes go a little overboard. But the problem is, as my buddy tweeted, the GM 
you know, assembled this roster with two thirds, two thirds of the roster with players who don't know how to win. It's like, it's like against their DNA. So that's where we're at right now. It's bad. It's a bad, it's bad times. Something's got to give. I know that the the team is really hurt defensively. Marcus Pedersen being out is a killer. He's been arguably their best defenseman this season. Yes, I can say arguably in there because he has been just as good, if not a little bit better than Crystal Tang. I have no problem saying that Pedersen's been a rock. Petrie being hurt, out hurts. Ruta being out hurts. But got to win this kind of game. No excuses this time of year. We're going to see what they're made of these final 12 games. They don't get in. You're looking at a lot of major changes this summer. Not to the core, but I think to a lot of the supporting cast, I'll say that. But thank you all so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. For Tuesday's show, we're going to preview the back-to-back, especially against Colorado and against Dallas. Wednesday, I'm going to try to have an episode. That will be a game that I actually have to miss. I am going to Columbus for a concert. Um, if any of you all know the band Steel Panther, uh, just kind of like an 80s spoof band, that is where I will be. I got these tickets a long time ago. Um, really excited for that. I will try to have um, an episode up for that day for as like a recap, something like that. Um, and then for Thursday, we'll obviously have the Dallas game and stuff. And then, you know, we'll go through the week with Friday uh, going in for the Capitals game with Saturday. But yeah, going to be a weird week with podcast episodes this week. But we'll definitely have an episode tomorrow, previewing the back-to-back, especially the game against Colorado. And then we'll try to have some recaps for the game against the Avs, try to go through, watch it on um, Rewind from ESPN Plus, and then watch the Dallas game on Thursday. So again, thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. I know times are tough, but, you know, just got to stick through it. Let's see what happens on Wednesday when they go to Denver. Um, also, last thing, 27 subscribers away on the YouTube channel from 1,000. If you are not subscribed yet, it'd be awesome if you could smash that like button and subscribe to the channel as we are closing in on a major, major milestone for the channel. Obviously, those on audio, really always appreciate you guys. We actually were top 10 among all locked on NHL shows for this, the last week or two. So really appreciate that too. Again. Thank you all so much for listening. Let's do another one of these on Tuesday. You'll be hearing it in um, about 12, 14 hours from now.